6.
recently satellites have been sent up from which exploratory messages are sent out to recesses of space in the hope of receiving some kind of reply of an unknown life out there. This, of course, has been to no avail. But now believe, now they believe that God cannot be out there. There is no proof. God is dead. Doesn't exist except in the minds of the ignorant believers. How do we answer them? Well, some time ago, a reporter asked a well-known evangelist whether or not there could be some truth to the concept of God not existing or of God being dead. He said, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I know so. Just got there this morning. Indeed, that's what the Lord Jesus teaches us in his perfect word. And that is also what the Catechism teaches us concerning this prayer. We are told not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner. He is in heaven. We are on earth. That doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. of all life. He is the creator of the whole universe. And we may not make him part of his creation. He is the one who created all things and therefore he is beyond his creation. He is in heaven. Where is heaven? Well, we don't know exactly where that is. But he tells us that even though he is in heaven, Although he is beyond this universe, he is nevertheless very accessible. He brings us close to him. And he also brings us close to each other. He is the only one who can remove the obstacles and the distances that exist between him and us and between each other. And he makes the connection with us that's what I want to preach to you about this afternoon. To summarize the message as that is, the Lord Jesus teaches us how to transcend the distance between the Father and us. Indeed, the first two things, how close we are to our Father in heaven, and the second time, the second thing is how close we are to each other here on earth. In Lord's Day 46, the authors of the Heidelberg Catechism asked the question, on behalf, why has God question was phrased somewhat differently. The question then was, why Christ has commanded us to speak to God as our Father? In other words, when we pray to God, then we speak to him. There is speaking to God. And any prayer which is not a speaking to God is not really a prayer. There are some people who say a lot of things to God but they necessarily do not speak to God. They will use all kinds of nice sounding words and elaborate attributes to God and use
use such phrases as, O great and almighty God, light of lights, ruler of the universe, thou who knoweth all and seeth all, etc. We use, especially where guilty, of starting their prayers like that. In that regard, they were not really any different from the Gentiles who prayed to their heathen gods. Who does Christ say? Well, he says, do not pray like that. He says in Matthew 6, 7 and 8, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Almighty creator of the universe who is wise beyond understanding and with whom alone is found all knowledge we may call our Father. We do not have to use all kinds of flattering words in order to be heard by him. We do not have to use archaic language either in order to impress him, impress him with our piety. No, prayer is speaking to him in a intimate manner language that we use every day. Oh, sure, we have to be respectful, but not in such a way that we create an artificial distance between him and us. In many ways, prayer is speaking to him as we would to our earthly father. It means that we can bear our hearts to him and tell him the things which trouble us and which concern us. Father, I do not know a way out of my
disciples understood what the Lord Jesus did was trying to teach them. The implication here is that they are not in an equal relationship, but that they, even though they are grown men, little children. Our thoughts will be a child of three or four years old who suddenly is frightened by a large dog or something. And then he runs out to his father and he calls out, Daddy, help! When you call out to your father like that and you admit weakness, you show that you realize yourself And it is with that attitude that the Lord Jesus wants these grown men, these disciples, and us to regard their Father in heaven. Do you want the tension in this life? Run to your Father in heaven. You need bread. Who else would give it to you except your Father in heaven? And don't think that you are big enough to take care of these things yourself. Oh, sure, you have to work for it. But your father still has to give it to you. And that is the way it is with all your needs. You don't receive anything without giving. Oh, sure, those who do not pray also receive some of these things. They receive these things because they stole them. But they do not acknowledge that God is the one who has given us the gold. That he is the one who put the gold in the earth. And that he is the one who makes all the wonderful material things available to them. Understanding that, we have to pray to our Heavenly Father in order to really pray to our Father in heaven. Some people think that they are not worthy to be called this child. They say, there are too many things in my life which stands in the way of a father-son relationship. I should pray the same. I've done things which are almost unforgivable. So they think in a distance. They can be too intimate with me. They don't think that they deserve that. I think we might teach this. We read together in Romans 8 that we are children have received the Spirit of God. The Lord gives you His Holy Spirit and He is giving that Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit to you right now. He is giving that to you through the preaching. The Word and then His Spirit lives in us. You and I, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God sons of God. And in verse 16 he says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so you see, brothers and sisters, we did not make God our Father. No. We made God his children. And therefore we should not even question whether or not we can choice. He is your father. Our father does not leave us free in this. It is a fact. We are his children. 
you can see that this command of John includes a promise. And it encourages us. Go ahead. Approach me in prayer. Go ahead and say, Our Father. Do you know how it is possible that we can say that the Almighty God is our Father? Well, as it says in the Catechism, God has become. that we are not naturally children of God. No, he has adopted us to be his children. At one time, you and I were children of the devil. That is what happened as soon as we sinned in Adam, in paradise. That horrible sin of rebellion prevented us from claiming God as our father. But then God promised us a redeemer. And he came. Jesus, and he reestablished us as children of his Father. And how? Verse 3, by accepting the wrath of God for our sins. At one point, Christ was utterly rejected by the Father for our sakes. At one point, he could not even call him his Father. All he could cry out was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The lines of communication were severed. And it was only right. Man deserved to be cut off from God. And that is what Christ did for you and for me. He allowed himself to be forsaken by God. He allowed the lines of communication between the Father and him to be broken. As he bore the wrath of man's sin in his own flesh. Now because of his great sacrifice on Christ's behalf, you and I become children of God. Doors are opened wide. God is yet faithful. His name is John. For that reason, Christ teaches us to accept him as our Father. Teaches us that the proper connection between heaven and earth has been made. The lines of communication have been opened up. He's never distant. He's never absent either. And yet from our side, there are so many ways in which we can shut ourselves off from God, aren't there? We fall into the same sins time and again. And we are often so ashamed that we don't even want to pray. especially at times like that that you do that you should pray although he may be in heaven and you on earth you can't shut yourself off from him anyway for you see that's impossible he knows exactly what you're doing he also knows what you've done and yet at times we can get distracted from him saying when we live in our own world without really putting God into the picture. Now sure we pray. But it is not really speaking to God about the things that are troubling us. No. 
And Lord, we think that we have to deal with every day. You see, you shut them out that God's presence isn't real to you. When you treat him like the world does, as if he is supposed to be out in space somewhere. Brothers and sisters, he is our father. He cares about you. And he won't stop talking. He doesn't do that even though so often he gets a physics signal from outside. Even though often when he calls, no one answers. Because we have shut him out of our lives. He hears what we say. Brothers and sisters, was he real? He is speaking to you right now through the preaching. For you see, I am merely a mouthpiece of the Lord. It is ultimately not me preaching to you, but it is God speaking to you through the minister. That is one of the ways that he keeps the line of communication open with you. to telephone and the connection and communication be open and you have to pay to telephone with him. The same thing is true with the internet. If you do not pay the bill then the telephone company or the internet company will cut you off until you pay the bill in full. Well to keep the lines of communication between God and us also costs something. the great debt that we owe him. And yet, the Lord God keeps the lines of communication open. How? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ paid the bill in full. He paid that bill, that bill on Golgotha with his precious blood. At that time, Christ could not keep contact with his father. The father did not answer him until he was owing. He paid the bill. Therefore, you don't have to be afraid. The Lord is not angry with you. He accepts you as his child where you are. Children do not have to be afraid of their parents. There is, however, an important element that must be present. And that is trust that God will much less deny us what we ask of him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. This reasoning is taken from Luke 11 where the Lord Jesus says that earthly fathers if you do then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who So how much more that you hear in Hebrews 12, where the author encourages us to submit to the discipline of God. He says there, God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had 
disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirit and of live? You see, we will not have to be afraid of our Father in heaven. Although he disciplines us, that doesn't mean that he rejects us. That means that he loves us. Only a father who loves his children will discipline them. That is why we have to pray to him. To keep that connection open. The implications of this passage are even greater than the passage in Luke. Because in the Hebrews we are told to trust in the father even when we are hurting. He tells us to trust him as a father. Discipline is good for us, no matter what form it may come in, whether it is through illness or disappointment or whatever it may be. In spite of circumstances, we are to trust in the Lord that he will make things well and good. Lack of trust in our relationship with God results in becoming ineffectual prayer. So far, we only looked at what prayer means to us individually. But John introduces us to our Father in the second point. That word our implies that we are not alone. In our prayer, we are connected with the whole family of God, connected to each other, with God's covenant people, with the people in the church, with those people who are sitting beside you in the pew. We're all members family of God. And with the Lord's Prayer, we have the same division as we have in the law of God. With the law, we have to do not only with the first table of the law, you must love the Lord your God, but also with the second table, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, our Father becomes my Father. At heart, we are selfish people, interested in our own lot in life, interested in only in our own relationship with the Lord. We are individualistic in our tendency. That is why many churches also cater to the individual and not to the covenant community. And therefore, we have the tendency ourselves also to see prayer as a personal matter between God and us. But Christ wants to teach us that prayer is much more than a personal matter. Our prayer must also take into account our relationship with each other. For when we pray to our Father, then we do that as members of God's people, as fathers and mothers of a family. The Lord doesn't give to individuals in the first place, but he gives to the whole church. And that is why our is such an important aspect of our prayer. When you read the prayers of the saints in the Old Testament, then you will note that their prayers are not so much for themselves, but for God's people to whom they belong. Think about the Psalms. Psalm 40, we sang from a little while ago. David begins by praying about his personal salvation. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. But then further in the psalm, he prays, I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Note well that he prays for the assembly. 
the standard version says the great congregation who prays for those who love the Lord their God along with him. And that refers to the whole household of faith. But it also includes those who are straying, those who are disobedient. The Lord wants to open our hearts to all men who want to hear his voice. And so we do not just pray for ourselves. No, God wants his mercy to be extended to all who believe in him. We are concerned about our brothers and sisters in the Lord, wherever they are, and whatever their circumstances are. We also pray for the people of the world that they turn to the Lord and give glory to him, so that they too realize that God is near to them, even though they cannot hear him or see him as long as they believe in him. of faith, otherwise you're blind. Calling upon God as Father to intercede on his great accusation. Knowing him as our Heavenly Father assures us that he longs for us and that he longs for the day when every one of his children safely sits around his heavenly throne. You see, he has promised these things to us, that we are heirs together with Christ. We are children of God through the Spirit. We are children of God now. He is our Father. In two weeks, we will be sitting around the Lord's table together, the Lord willing. And we can do that because God is our Father. He is close to us. And therefore, we are also close to each other. He has opened the lines of communication. Man of the world thinks that there has been a vast improvement in the lines of communication. How blind they are. How deaf they are. How utterly cut off they are from God and from their fellow man. And that shows in their lives. And how blessed you and I are that God has broken down the barriers that exist between God and you and your fellow man. wants to show that he wants you to show that you know about the wonderful connection that exists between him and all those you love the connection that exists in eternity amen